0: Today we are joined with one of my newer friends in the wellness scene, Bethany Holmes from The Healthy Bee, and she flew all the way to New York, not for this, but we can joke that it was for this. It was somewhat for this. (laughs) Somewhat? Okay. So we've got an out-of-towner, which is very exciting. Um, So we are going to do, obviously, a deep dive into you and the company you've built and kind of how your direction has changed. But I like to start this off with asking you how you would define success.
1: Ooh, I love this question. Oh, thank and you. I, yeah, <laughs> and I think it's you know so different um, for everyone. Yeah, and you can rate success on you know multiple different levels. But I think for me and the way that my life is now going and my career, mm-hmm. I look at success a lot differently than I did when I was younger. And at the point now, I really vision success as just being like super true to yourself and sharing your journey and being able to inspire others while doing that. I love that. And I think everything else that you think of when you think of success like money and abundance Mm -hmm. and friendships and that all develops when you're just living in your truth and you're just being a really honest you know person and Mm -hmm. sharing your story with others and inspiring
0: others. Yeah I totally agree and for me it's like that feeling of fulfillment which is what you, I'm sure, get from all those things. Absolutely. So you say that it was different than when you were a kid. What do you think sparked that change, or when did that change happen?
1: Yeah, so I, a few years ago, I was Mm -hmm. living in New York, and I went through a health crisis, and that is what completely changed my whole career Mm -hmm. Um, and just – completely put me on a different path of like my purpose here and the whole journey on like what I meant to do here yeah. on this earth in this body um, and that was really to help and inspire people It wasn't to m- make a lot of money and mm-hmm. you know to be unfulfilled in other areas so that's what I really feel changed you. it all yeah
0: so let's get into that yeah so what were you doing prior to this health crisis that will then discuss.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I'm from Michigan. So I went to Michigan State University, mm-hmm. graduated with communications. And that's just a, kind of a good example to show you that I had no idea what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yes. communications is a degree. Um, <laughs> exactly. I can do something with that. Um, but I never really had like a path. And so when I graduated, I started working in HR. Um, I never had a passion for HR. Mm-hmm. And I never really wanted to work a corporate job. Yeah. But I really just didn't know what my other options were so i knew i always wanted to move to new york um mm-hmm. so i got a job in new york at barney's working in their hr department uh, i thought just being in a different industry because i was working yeah. in automotive before you know fashion's a Very lot more different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot more up my alley um but it was still unfulfilling and mm-hmm. i knew that there, that there was just something else out there um but while i was living here i started not feeling well and i didn't know if it was because i was living in you know a really hectic fast-paced environment mm-hmm or if there was actually really something going on in my health, or there's a combination of, you know, everything. Yeah. And so um, it almost felt like I had the flu, to give you like an idea of my symptoms. Okay. Like I was just super fatigued, and my body ached, and I had headaches, and I was just exhausted beyond belief. And I went to a bunch of doctors, and they were just like, oh, you probably have a virus. Like we cannot find anything wrong with you. And I had multiple tests. I had a spinal tap. I had blood work. I had an MRI. Wow the like guy went through and it all. And what was the window that you were searching for this answer? So I was time. searching for answers for about a year, 11 okay. months. And um, I took disability from work. I could not like function. Mm-hmm. So finally, um, after 11 months of all of this insane stuff, yeah, I had gone to a, a specialist and they were like, oh, your first MRI, you did not have with contrast. They're like, that's interesting. Let's redo your MRI and do it mm-hmm. with the contrast. And at the time I had no idea the difference and I'm shocked that at least specialists that I had gone to in between didn't catch that either I agree so I was a little like I was very frustrated mm-hmm. actually very frustrated so anyways I had that MRI and it showed that I had a cavernoma malformation in my brain Okay. I'm going to need you to explain what that is. So actually when I, had, when I got the news, um, I was in Michigan visiting my family and they wouldn't tell me anything else. They're like, you have this thing called a cavernoma in your brain, you have to see a neurosurgeon. Okay. So of course I'm Googling. Cause, and the worst. Yeah. yeah. Of
0: course. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm actually kind of shocked that doctors ever give news not in an office because they obviously they say don't google we'll discuss but everyone's going to google it's the first thing you're going to do how can you not yeah exactly okay so I was
1: googling it and and I learned that it's a malformation of blood vessels that can form in your brain they can also um, be in your heart and I think in your stomach or some other part of your body too but um, it's very rare it's considered a rare disease Mm -hmm. and most likely I was born with it oh wow yeah so um People can be born with it and never know because they can never have issues with that. I was going to say, what onsets the symptoms? Yeah, so if they bleed, then that's what okay. um, causes the symptoms. Got it. So in my scan, it had showed that mine had been bleeding and clotting, bleeding and clotting. So when it was bleeding, that's when I was having all of these issues, but then it would clot up so it wouldn't get so extreme where mm-hmm. you know it sent me to the ER or anything.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, so I came back to New York, and I met with the neurosurgeon, and he's like, you know, it's a 1% to 4% chance this will hemorrhage. Like, He's like, it could just bleed and then, you know, dry up, and it'll be fine. Yeah. And Wait, never what, bleed what, again. What percent was it that
0: it would hemorrhage? 1% to 4%. Okay, so very small.
1: So very small. So I'm like, okay, um, we're not going to do brain surgery because it's a very, you know, invasive thing mm-hmm. to do. This could be completely fine. Yeah, and without...
0: Like without the brain surgery, what mm-hmm. would would you have just continued to live with those symptoms? Yes. Okay.
1: So he his thoughts were that the symptoms would dissipate as soon as it stopped, you know, bleeding. Okay. And at the time, it wasn't a active bleed; it had blood and then stopped already. Got so it. I was like, okay, feeling confident. He's a neurosurgeon; he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So I mean, it had been a very stressful year, and then finally I had an answer, so I felt very validated. Mm-hmm. But it was still scary that I felt like I had this time bomb in my head at yeah. any moment you know it could burst so um, frightening yeah so I was just trying to keep as positive as possible he's like go on with your life he's like don't you know think about it don't stress yourself out you know blah 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 so I'm like okay I'm gonna do this yeah and how positive. old were you at this point point? 27 okay so um so I just go on with my life and all of a sudden two weeks later I went back to work actually and okay. um two weeks later I got this massive headache and it was the day that I went back to work. So, of course, I'm like, oh, I'm super stressed out. I'm back at work. I'm staring at screens. Yeah. That must be why I have this headache. Mm-hmm. And I think it was for a year that everyone was telling me that I was fine when I wasn't, that it kind of conditioned myself to tell myself I was fine 100%. even when I wasn't.
0: <laughs> and now, and we can get back to that, but now that you feel fine, you notice how not fine you were. Exactly. And I don't know if you feel fine, but yeah. now that your symptoms are more at bay mm-hmm. you realize how conditioned you were to just tell yourself to shut up because everyone else was telling you to shut up
1: exactly exactly yeah so I was doing exactly that I was yeah. like you know what you're fine you've been told you're fine you know that you know this isn't an issue anymore mm-hmm. you know all that like self-talk so it was a few days it kept going on I just like couldn't take it anymore so I went to the ER and um not to like put this into a negative light but they actually sent me home and just told me I had a migraine. no way so that was traumatic in itself yeah. because I knew I didn't have a migraine. Which is
0: the exact example of what we just said where everyone's telling you to
1: just shut up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I've been put down multiple times about mm-hmm. my symptoms and what I'm feeling. And, you know, I, I'm not making this up. Yeah. You know, it showed I wasn't making it up. I yeah. had something going on. My brain was bleeding. So... Anyways, long story short, um, that was on a Friday. On Monday, I called my doctor, and I was like, I need to come in. Like, I went to the ER. They sent me home, explained Mm -hmm. the whole situation. I came in and got a scan, and um, sure enough, it had hemorrhaged incredibly large, the size of a baseball, they told me. Holy shit. And it was actively still hemorrhaging. So um, they had, you know, rushed me into emergency surgery
0: the next day. That's insane. Yeah. And did they say anything of, like – we should have picked this up, or I can't believe we sent you home. Was there any acknowledgment of that at all?
1: There was acknowledgment that um, the doctor was going to talk to the air department and, you know, sort that out. But that's I didn't, kind of it. Yeah. Not that
0: that's the focus of the story, but it's yeah, just insane. no, it's insane. Wow. So yeah. you had – w- then is it brain surgery? Yeah,
1: so it's called a craniotomy. So they shaved a part of my head, and without getting too graphic, they take mm-hmm. out – your skull, essentially, and so they're able to locate the area of the brain that they need to remove, in my case, the cavernoma and the hemorrhage, um, and then they repair everything, attach everything back together, and then oh my God. They basically screw my head back together with titanium screws, so I have screws in my skull, Wow. and now I understand the term, like, a screw loose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Never, never understood that before, but now yeah. I get it.
0: That's incredible. Incredibly well. And then, I mean, the whole story is just mind-blowing, quite literally. But yeah. what is the recovery like after that surgery?
1: Yeah, so that's the thing with, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing now mm-hmm. is I, thankfully, and there's a lot of people who go through brain surgeries and, and traumas, and they don't have the outcome that I have. Thankfully, I fully, you know, physically recovered mm-hmm. really well Um, I didn't have any complications, everything, you know, I didn't lose speech, I didn't lose any, like, mobility, Mm -hmm. all of my, like, functions came back, so I was so grateful for that, but...
0: And did they not know that going in, is that a big risk?
1: Yeah, that can be a big risk, so for me personally, um, the hemorrhage was pushing on my speech part of my brain, Okay. so after I had gotten out of surgery, they were coming, like, every 20 minutes and asking me to read and repeat after them and, like, describe pictures and explain things, so that was... um, for me for my case personally but there's so many Mm -hmm. areas of the brain that can be affected um yeah so you know I I came home from the hospital I think five days later um I didn't really come home on pain meds because Mm -hmm. I just knew that I did not want that in my body but um I didn't really have much pain thankfully like of course I had like how your head would hurt if you got like hit in the head or something Mm -hmm. but um you know like the fatigue was a lot I was sleeping 18 hours a day I just couldn't keep my eyes open for more than two three hours at a time um and I think when I got home it was a combination of like being so grateful to be alive Mm -hmm. and realizing my life is completely going to
0: change exactly
1: and it was terrifying and the whole time I was in the hospital and leading up to this I never cried and I came home and like two weeks later I started crying and my parents were like what's wrong? Like, you're, you're fine. You're healthy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh my God, I, I just realized what happened,
0: <laughs> you know? And I was going to ask what your mentality or attitude was like going into the surgery because a lot of times these traumas happen out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know, but you were very aware something was wrong. I'm going into the surgery and my life will change, whether it was accepted at that point or maybe two weeks later. Yeah. But how was your attitude going into the surgery?
1: I was... Surprisingly, you know, I had a really good support system. I was dating mm-hmm. my husband now. At the time, he was just my boyfriend, Clark. He was by my side the whole time. I had my family there. Mm-hmm. I was very positive, and I wasn't fearful. I just I felt so validated that I yeah. knew something was wrong. It was almost I, like, it was "Screw stuck
0: you all! Yeah, I was right this entire time."
1: Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, "I told you so."
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I trust me. I felt that same way. Not nearly to that degree, but yeah, it's a the validation almost outweighs the fear in a scary way because that is true it's sad that you have to feel that validated like it's sad that we've put ourselves through this been told to shut up you know you're right and then you feel so validated that it's outweighing the fear of a brain surgery absolutely but the emotions are just that strong exactly so then you get home to Michigan or so, yeah. yeah right so
1: then um, about a month and a half after surgery my surgeon here cleared me to move home because okay. I mean I couldn't work and there's mm-hmm. no sense of me staying in the city to just lay on my couch so yeah. I moved home to my family um, and I couldn't drive for almost nine or ten months wow. I was on anti-seizure medication thankfully I never had a seizure but it was just part like protocol because mm-hmm. of the lot the size of the hemorrhage and where it was located in my brain um, so I was kind of like disabled. I couldn't drive. I could barely like function without, you know, 20 hours of sleep a day. Yeah. Um, for a while, I couldn't really exercise except walk. Mm-hmm. And um, basically my sole purpose at that moment was just to heal my body and my mm-hmm. mind. And to kind of understand like what life looks like going forward and being comfortable with that. Yeah. So um, so I moved back to Michigan clark came with me um which was really sweet wow. amazing <laughs> yeah. we lived at my parents house for like six months and i was on a healing journey but it was very frustrating because i felt like i had no resources mm-hmm. you know emotionally physically so much changes and you know i started seeing a therapist which was helpful mm-hmm. um, definitely but i just didn't know like what could i be doing for my body like. What kind of lifestyle changes do I need to be making? What can I be eating? Like how can my diet change? Like how can I yeah. best support myself to heal fast and get back to 100%? Mm-hmm. Because it's a critical time after you have surgery or after you have a trauma to Definitely. start to heal your body. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was wasting time just trying to figure it out cuz I didn't know where and to go. And you're also
0: so tired that you don't have I did not have the strength. You don't have the strength to figure it out. You almost just need to be told what to do. Exactly. And the doctors you know, bless them for being able to complete a successful surgery. But they're not really the people that are afterwards being like, eat more of this food or do more of this. And I'm curious because during my healing process, so for those of you who are listening, if you follow my account and you're aware of this, I, it was probably, it was definitely not around the same time. Because what year did this happen to you? 2015. Okay. So just over a year ago. I was hit by a car while I was crossing the street and suffered from a pretty bad concussion. It was unfortunately my like sixth one and it definitely rocked me the hardest. And I was on much less of a disability, but eight weeks I was on disability and that was kind of my like healing journey. And I struggled a lot being able to put my life on hold. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate that I worked at a large corporation that provided disability Mm -hmm. and that I didn't have to worry about that aspect of everything. But I I don't know if we're similar in the sense, but I have a really hard time just sitting and doing nothing. And it was truly, it was a blessing because it slowed me the F down and I really needed that in my life. But at the same time, it was really hard. And I felt the same way, thinking, is there something I should be doing? Should I be doing more of this? Should I be doing less of this? And it's just the unknown. You have no idea. And with brain injuries, whether it's a concussion or a surgery, the recovery period, there's no timeline. It's not like, oh, you broke your arm. OK, in 8, I don't know how long it takes to recover from a broken arm. Yeah. But you know, there's that set time. With brain injuries, it's, just kind of, okay, you'll feel better hopefully eventually, and I don't know yeah. what, when that will be.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think there's so much unknown with so the So much. And I think finding community and support with people who have gone through similar journeys mm-hmm. is so important because I think unless you've gone through it, you really don't understand. Like you said, like you break your arm, it heals, you're fine. When it's the brain, like there's so much stuff that comes along with it. Like, so much. I would get overstimulated in really loud rooms Same. or really bright lights. Mm-hmm. And people who haven't gone through brain stuff
0: just don't understand. They don't that. understand. The lights were, I mean, they were my worst trigger in the beginning. But mm-hmm. then I remember going out to a restaurant for the first time, probably six weeks after my accident. And sitting with joe and just looking at him and saying i have to get out of here i i cannot be in this room my head mm-hmm. is pounding there's just so much noise that you never picked up on before yeah and then all of a sudden it's the smallest noises in the restaurant are like a drill to your yeah. head oh i
1: can totally relate and to the that. city
0: does not make this living easy yeah at new all new york is the hard I place know.
1: to be when recovering i Absolutely. was fortunate
0: my mom kind of she didn't move in with us but she was here all the time mm-hmm. and you know i had i happen to have a friend that was in between two jobs at the exact same time so she was here all the time and joe was here so it was easier for me to just stay here yeah then go home to jersey but yeah new york
1: but having support is not, is having everything. support you know is no matter where thing. you are as long as you have resources totally support it makes all the difference
0: so then what how long was your? Or I know, obviously, we're both still recovering. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that my recovery journey is over. Yeah, I wish it was. Um, it's a process. Yeah, it's a process. How long were you in like the throes of it all?
1: So I would say for the first three months were really difficult. Like mm-hmm. I was just sleeping, eating, sleeping, eating. wasn't really doing much of anything else. And then um, after that, I started. Like going, I drained a gym and I started mm-hmm. like walking on the treadmill every day. I'd walk a little further mm-hmm. and just like slowly starting to like make plans with friends and go try to go to dinner. And yeah. Cause going out in like a loud restaurant was just like not an option a few weeks after surgery. 100%. In a few months.
0: And just in terms of the walking thing, I felt, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it made me so much more grateful for every workout I do going Absolutely. forward. Because I remember after the accident, my mom was like, oh, let's go for a walk probably two weeks after. And we walked four blocks and I felt like I ran a marathon. I thought I was going to throw up. My head was killing. I was so fatigued that we had to come back to the apartment, obviously. And from that point, I remember telling myself, I will never, ever look down on a workout and say, oh, that wasn't good enough. When I, you know how uh, I used to, when I would run, if I ran two miles, I'd be like, oh, that was only two miles. From that point on, anything I did I promised myself I would be grateful for and not forget that feeling.
1: Yeah. No, I'm exactly the same. I was a distance runner before I had yeah. brain surgery. Same thing if I didn't. It was like never enough. Never and enough. And now it's like if I take a walk, that's enough. That's enough. And even if I just rest because that's what my body needs, that's, that's enough. enough. That's a workout. hmm
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were slowly increasing your treadmill. Yeah. Goals. So
1: slowly increasing that. And then um, we moved out of my parents' house. We bought a house. I was able in, I had in Michigan in Michigan oh. yes I was able to start to drive again and all of these like positive things like moving out of my parents house mm-hmm. getting some more independence back being able to drive like that definitely helped you know in the recovery it just makes you feel good so um you I feel started, so helpless exa- yeah and just yeah you feel helpless and just like you know losing independence is so mm-hmm. difficult as an adult very um so that that felt really good so I was like you know what I'm feeling great I'm gonna go back to work Mm-hmm. And I I just, I didn't have a passion for HR, but I just had a passion for feeling normal again. Yeah. And I'm sure you can relate to that. 100%. I was like, I just want to get up and, and work out and go to work and come home and make dinner. Like and a you just want to be a normal person. Exactly. So I, I did just that. I got a job and it was in downtown Detroit, which is like a 20 minute drive from our house, but it's a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's more like a 45 minute drive. And I got a job doing HR, which, again, was really unfulfilling. I had a boss that was just very unkind, and it was Mm -hmm. a really bad environment. So for a year, I did this job. And every day, I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, I was fully supported by my, you know, Clark at the time was my Fiance, So he had mm-hmm. moved up to fiancé status. <laughs> All right. <Getting laughs> um, but we're living together. We have a dog together. And he was very supportive of, like, if this isn't working, like, you can leave, you mm-hmm. know. And my family same saying, like, like, it's not worth it. But something in me was just, like, I can do this. I'm going to fight through it. Looking back, it was, you know, it's a hard lesson that I had to learn.
0: Yeah, but you just wanted to feel normal I again. I just wanted to, like, I be it.
1: normal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think there was this fear of, like, You know, I had thought about IIN from when I was living in New York. And
0: that's Institute for Integrative Nutrition, in case anyone's wondering, (laughs) where we both went.
1: Yes, exactly. So, and I had been wanting to do that, but there was, like, this fear holding me back of, like, okay, I'm going to do that, and then what? Like, Mm -hmm. I almost didn't believe myself enough to, like, make that jump, so this was easy. Just in this corporate job. Yeah. So, finally, after a year, enough was enough, and the universe really supported me, and my job got eliminated because my company merged with another
0: company oh so you got so, technically laid off yeah amazing they made the decision they for made you the
1: decision for me and it was the best feeling in the world getting laid off of a job yeah and so that's when I enrolled in school and I started doing a lot deeper work just like with myself and like what my purpose is and like you know, I had just mm-hmm. gone through a near-death experience, and I survived it. So it wasn't to go back into HR and hate my job. Mm-hmm. It was to do something else.
0: And did you feel like there was almost a delay in you acknowledging the fact that that had happened?
1: Yeah, yeah there was a huge delay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, like, I looked at this experience at first of, like, I'm so grateful. I'm alive. Okay, back to normal life, rather than mm-hmm. what did this happen to me for? What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Yeah. And I started looking at that after, you know, I left my job. And it's like, okay, this didn't just happen because it happened. Like, this happened for a reason. I agree. And I need to tap into that and mm-hmm. see what was that reason and, like, yeah. why am I here? and Because
0: like, I, I hate to say everything happens for a reason because, and I say this a lot, because such shitty things happen to people that yeah. it would really suck to believe there's a reason for everything. However... I fully believe that with everything that happens, there is a positive outcome that can come from it. And I believe I'm not religious in the sense of, you know, I don't practice any religion. I don't go to church. I have never grown up that way. Mm -hmm. I fully believe in the sense of karma and maybe past life, whatever, but the fact that the universe moves in a specific way and if you let it do its work, you'll you'll be put on the path that you're meant to be on yeah and I think I don't know if you agree with that but that for me I always said and it was so weird because I kept saying I'm doing before my accident I was at this job I was running my Instagram on the side as just a side hustle and I was planning a wedding and everyone kept saying you're so crazy you're doing so much at once how are you doing this are you so stressed and I kept saying I, I'm not stressed which is surprising but I feel like I have a blindfold on and I'm running full speed and I'm gonna hit a wall but I just don't know when or where and I said that to many people wow. and then I got hit by a freaking car so yeah. the car was the wall yeah Um. Wow. but that to me was it was so obvious in that moment which I'm very grateful for that and it also happened to be right after the accident when I started my meditation practice which I really think changed a lot for me mm-hmm. and journaling and it, it was just My life did a total 180 because I was so go, go, go to then you can't do anything but sit on this couch and think. And I was already not happy with my job. Um, I'm so grateful that for me it was such an instant, okay, your life is different now and you need to make a change and what are you going to do with it? And I'm very fortunate that that happened, but I'm also so happy that you had that turning point as well because I do believe that these things happen to us for a reason. I do believe they set us on the correct path of living mm-hmm. and that I know for me at least it's untapped a part of my life that I never ever ever knew existed and you know created and maybe you feel the same way created this new industry of our career that yeah. I would have never imagined being a part of my life.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely and I think you know I I was always pretty healthy growing up but I'd always struggled struggled with like some gut issues yeah. and just I could have been doing better things mm-hmm. with my diet and lifestyle and like Instagram now yeah there's a lot of stuff on there but it's so great that like we have a platform to be yeah. sharing this information with people I like, agree. and have those resources out there because I would have maybe paid more attention to my gut health and mm-hmm. you know my mindfulness and had i been exposed to yeah. those resources So being able to develop these platforms and to be, like, in this wellness world and to share that knowledge and just inspire others to live healthier lifestyles Mm -hmm. is just – I'm grateful to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, and I also think the inspiration part is, for me, what fulfills the most Mm -hmm. or what makes me feel the most fulfilled Um, because, you know, not everyone is going to have brain surgery. Not everyone's going to get hit by a car. I hope a very small majority of people that's happening to either one. But everyone's going to go through something. Exactly. And it's a matter of how they handle that something. Because yeah. it would be very easy for both of us to have been like, F this. This is so unfair. Mm-hmm. Why did the? Why is this happening to me? Like, woe is me. And yeah. get really down on myself. And there were days, obviously, and I don't know if you had them also, that I was very down. And it was less often than the days I wasn't but there were a few where it was just what you feel hopeless
1: I would have breaking points where like I would have really great weeks and then I would just break down and cry yeah like this cannot be my life moving forward yeah
0: you know and I still I I would love to say that I'm fully healed and that I've moved on from this all and it's all been a blessing and rosy roses and daisies but I still have breakdowns and I had one the other night um And you were saying, you know, you had to accept that your life is not the same or it's never going to be the same. But we've talked about this before of the idea of drinking. Yeah. And you were told. Yeah. So
1: right after I had surgery, my surgeon was like, no drinking, you know, it could could cause a seizure, like mm -hmm. absolutely no drinking. So I didn't drink for a while. And then, you know, after about a year, um they were still like okay you can like have a glass if you want like once in a while and then i was like what's the point of that you know that seems a little god forbid what (laughs)
0: what what is that one glass is the one glass of wine gonna really do anything in the sense of being worth the potential outcome correct so
1: i didn't drink for like
0: three and a half years wow and at first it was
1: really difficult like you know i was 27 years old Mm -hmm. um When I was dating Clark, we loved to, like, go out to dinner and split a bottle of wine or, like, go to a wine bar. Like, our social life on the weekends was around drinking. Especially
0: in New York. Especially in New York. Especially Mm -hmm.
1: when the weather gets nicer. I know you were talking about day drinking.
0: It's drinking season. It's like, the weather's nice. It's time to day drink in Manhattan. Let's all run inside of a bar and not enjoy the weather. It makes no sense. Oh, I know.
1: I know. So, I mean, it shifts, but then you're... You know, I at least found, and I don't know if it was the same for you, like, my friendships shifted with people.
0: 100%.
1: And that was hard. That was really, really difficult to be like, just because I can't do X, Y, and Z, do you not really care to hang out and do Mm -hmm. something else?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, so, and I think, I'm sure you experienced too, like, anytime you go through a health condition that changes what your lifestyle used to be, like, you really take
0: note of who's there and who your friends are. You definitely take note. And there were some friends that really, really pulled through and showed their love and support and undivided attention to you in a time where you needed it. And then there are some friends that just didn't show up. And yep. I'm someone – I'm acts of service mean a lot to me. Um, and showing up is my biggest thing. If you're going to say something, do it. I don't care what you have to say if you're not going to do it. Yeah. And it was very evident during this period who – is there for you and who is you know maybe not and that, yeah. that's fine not, not everyone has to be at my beck and call but no, it yeah. just adjusts your friendships it does
1: and that could be it's like a, and, and it's a good thing it's a kind a of mourning you know some friendships and mm-hmm. but you're gaining deeper ones with that's other people that's the thing it's
0: like sure maybe one you kind of realize wow maybe we're not as close as i thought we were or maybe we're just not meant to be as close but then on the other hand you're like wow this person is really incredible yeah. to a different person mm-hmm. and so your friendships adjust with the healing process but also then with the new lifestyle yeah definitely I think that's what I've noticed the most but in terms of the drinking as an example is this is kind of what I had my breakdown with the other night because I'm I kept back on my drinking. I was never told I can't drink again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely cut back on it, but I suffer from headaches from certain alcohols or I, I, I haven't figured it out fully and I would love to get the answers. Yeah. But, you know, the other night I had one glass of wine on a Friday, which is, to me, I, I don't know, everyone else out there is different, but mm-hmm. to me that's nothing. Yeah. Um, and I had a full-blown headache, wake me up Saturday morning. Oh. And that night, that Saturday night after Jonah had gone out and, you know, I had like another drink and then I was fine, I just started crying because I'm thinking, is this what my life, is this now, I'm still coming to terms with accepting the fact that this might just be my life and that I can't drink the way I used to. And it's not that I'm a booze hound and I want to black out, it's just... It's different being not being able to enjoy a certain aspect of life that you were used yeah. to. And it's more just having to think about it, I think, mm-hmm. where you're out and I'm thinking, okay, I have to have just this one drink and pace myself and do I want to do this? But all my other friends are having this fun night out and yeah. it's hard.
1: It is hard. And I think it goes back to before we we're talking about just like feeling normal. Like yeah. You just want to be normal. I just want to feel normal. You just want to go out and have a drink, have fun, go home, go to bed, wake up, go yeah. to a workout. Live your life. Exactly. And it's, I mean, and I feel the same. So when I, I had an appointment with my surgeon back in February, I came mm-hmm. to New York and my brain looks uh, great. It looks amazing. He was really Cutous happy. To your brain. Thank you. <laughs> and I was very grateful to hear that news. He's like, you're mm-hmm. healed, you know, like from a physical standpoint and right. from a standpoint of like you are safe to have alcohol if you want again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my early 20s and whatever, like I very much enjoyed drinks. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not looking to get wasted, but I like to, you know, it'd be nice yeah, to have you cocktails a few and have mm-hmm. fun and go out and whatever. So it was almost like when he told me that, the urge for me to want to drink again, like, wasn't as much there because it's like, I well, could it. Now you can have it. Now I can it's have it. It's the
0: restrictive behavior. Exactly. You want what you can't have exactly
1: so like since then I've had you know we we'll go out to dinner I'll have like a glass of wine mm-hmm. like we'll go out with friends whatever it's fine like I enjoy it I, mm-hmm. I haven't had it in so long
0: it's your like, tolerance is probably so low so You're low such a cheap date <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a blessing though it really is it's been very nice mine has gone so bad
1: oh yeah uh, yeah one glass of wine I'm good you yeah. know I'm like goofy and then I go to bed but yeah so it's like now that I can have it it's like I'm not it's craving not the forbidden it like I used fruit. To. yeah Mm-hmm. But it's still a
0: change. Yeah, it's definitely a change. It's and so now, where so now you're physically healed, which is amazing. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Do you still have any type of symptoms, even though it looks physically healed?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still get, and I don't know. I mean, I've I've aged. You know, I'm thirty now. Mm-hmm. I'm not like old, <laughs> but I'm older than I was when I was twenty-seven. Yeah. And I just get tired a lot easier than I ever used mm-hmm. to.
0: That's how I feel.
1: And yeah, and I just think that that's—I don't—I'm hoping that all of the stuff that I'm doing for myself will, you know, make that better in the future. But mm-hmm. I just have to know my limits and my boundaries. Like this weekend, I was supposed to fly in yesterday. Right.
0: I was going to ask you about that.
1: Yeah, and I just—I felt very tired, and I had a lot of work to do, and I was just like, "There's no point in like running myself to the ground." Right. So um. I slept in yesterday morning I didn't work out I like took all day to like clean pack do you know work for my business Mm -hmm. and then I woke up this morning and came here but it's like if I didn't go through brain surgery and didn't go through what I went through I would have pushed it to the ground Mm -hmm. I would have flown out yesterday but I just like know my limits now
0: and that's something I'm coming to terms with because I've always been someone that hates when people cancel plans Mm -hmm. and I think there are ways to do it. I still really dislike when someone agrees to all these things knowing that they're not going to do it. I think that's a character flaw. Yeah. But I I just went on. It's like (laughs) truly my biggest pet peeve. But I have now come to terms with being okay with canceling plans when I really need to. I'm not going and making plans knowing I'm not going to do them. But, you know, last week I just felt so off one day and I just – I was supposed to go to this event – And I really wanted to be there to support my friend. But I texted her and I said, I'm so sorry. I need to just be on my couch. I can't. I can't push myself. And it's something, it's hard putting yourself first in that sense. Um, It feels selfish in a way. but And it is, but in a good way. Like, we need to.
1: Yeah, you have to take care of yourself. And I think that people will, the right people will understand. And people who have gone through experiences, Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a brain trauma, but just any kind of like life trauma that, you know, they understand. But it is difficult like initially to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm.
0: But it also does what we were talking about of filtering. Yeah. Who who really understands of your friends and who cares and Mm -hmm. who doesn't. Yeah. So I do want to touch base on, the business that you've created out of this. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us about the new program that you launched?
1: Yeah. So after I I quit my job, I finally enrolled in IIN and became a health coach. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was just working with anyone, anyone who wanted to improve their health. And it was feeling a little – not empty because I was helping people, but just Mm -hmm. a little, like, not – passion and I Mm -hmm. knew that I went into this because I had a passion for helping people who have overcome health traumas or have Mm -hmm. been through health trauma looking to overcome that
0: also because you've tapped that yourself so you know that feeling
1: exactly Mm -hmm. so when I left the hospital and I moved home like where where is that person like I wanted to create that Mm -hmm. for other people so I kind of had like a wake-up call and um, in the beginning of this year I developed a program called the be heal program And it's basically for anyone who has been through a health trauma. It can be be brain-related, but it could be any kind of health trauma because trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. And when you go through a health scare, condition, surgery, whatever it is, and it changes your lifestyle, it's – a huge huge thing to go through and you shouldn't have to go through it alone i agree so this program really works on um you know healing from trauma from health trauma but it focuses on you know releasing any kind of fear and anxiety related to what you've gone through Mm -hmm. while also healing your body through nutrition lifestyle techniques understanding how to manage you know relationships and social life Mm -hmm. and everything that goes into you know your life changing with something you know chronic health condition or surgery i
0: wish i had had you
1: (laughs) i wish i had had me too
0: (laughs) gosh for real that would have been a a true blessing
1: yeah and and there needs to be more support out there for people who have gone Mm -hmm. through you know especially brain stuff because i just think it's like kind of a silent thing it's a major major change and i don't think people really understand
0: and it also really affects your mental health which I don't think is focused on enough. And so having a support system like this, I'm sure, will be very beneficial to your future clients and their well-being. Yeah. So thank you from someone who would have wanted that for providing it. And I skipped the second question that I typically ask guests in the beginning because we dove right into it and I (laughs) didn't want to force it. But what is your favorite characteristic about yourself?
1: I think currently right now is that – Way more empathetic Mm -hmm. than I've ever been, and like we're talking about canceling plans or like this or that. Like I just really try right now to put myself in that person's shoes Mm -hmm. and to really understand them. That's a great quality. I never did that before. Before I went through this, I was quick to judge and Mm -hmm. I was quick to you know just come to conclusions about stuff. So now that I've gone through what I've gone through. I just, I have so much empathy
0: for what other people go through Mm -hmm. and their struggles. It's interesting because I do feel I've, I wouldn't say it's my favorite quality. I definitely have room to work and grow. But I would say I am less quick to judge and I'm still working on it. But I'm, I agree that this has very much changed my perspective where I think, okay, there's a reason someone's acting this way. Mm -hmm. So what is that reason? Yeah. And then maybe assessing that situation. And sure, you're still able to be upset with people and let down and angry. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the reason that creates some behavior. But it's also figuring out why. And I think it's also reflective of why why is this bothering me so much? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Why am I upset by this? Why and does was, it trigger you? Exactly. I was just talking to my friend about this in... A sense of social media is very comparative and it's easy to dislike people on social media that you there's no real reason they shouldn't get under your skin like that yeah and especially if it's people you know in your real life it's like why does this bother me why is this a trigger mm-hmm. I was talking with my friend about it and it's usually something that's bothering you about yourself yeah and so instead of taking it out on that person of oh gosh this is so annoying it's okay, this is bothering me because I feel this way. How can I assess that situation? Mm-hmm. And I also think that has to do a lot with I again and just yeah. our different outlook on the world yeah. that has changed so much in the past few years. But
1: There's that quote that's like, like what you see in others is it within you or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're quick to judge someone totally. or you're like, it's like that's all your own stuff.
0: All your own stuff. Whether it's something that bothers you about yourself or something you're jealous of. Mm-hmm. It's it's all there, and yeah. that's also why I feel I can brush off any hate I receive. Not any, but you know I have thicker skin because I know that when someone's saying something about me, whether I hear it or whatever, yeah. it's usually because something else is going on in their life.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's typically never about you, and yeah. it's all about what, what mm-hmm. they're going through.
0: Definitely. So to end on a lighter note, okay. My favorite question: What would be up to three ways to your heart through food Mm -hmm. so it could be very specific of like this specific sandwich at this place whatever or just a general like pizza
1: okay so because i've lived out of the city for so long Mm i am obsessed with sweet green okay (laughs)
0: fair wait what is your go-to order though because i need to know that
1: okay so i get arugula with mixed greens okay and then i do sweet potatoes okay um red cabbage carrots cucumbers beets and then sometimes they'll have, like, the warm chickpeas. Yeah. And then um, avocado and the mm-hmm. pesto vinaigrette.
0: Oh, I've never had the pesto vinaigrette. It's very good. I, I do love a sweet green. There's actually one two blocks away from my apartment. That would be dangerous uh, for me. It's good. And, it, yeah, I, I'm a little upset because I loved one salad that's not on the menu, so I tried to recreate it. But Joe is was obsessed with the... Buffalo chicken, I think it was. Oh, I've never had that. It well, was a seasonal. Right now, but um, interesting. And he was not happy when it was taken off the menu.
1: Oh, because they have blackened chicken now.
0: Yes. They switched it up. Yeah, That's which I right. like. Okay. Yeah. My husband likes that. it too. Okay. That's I funny. Like that. All right, number two.
1: Okay. So, and then any kind of like healthy vegan ice cream.
0: Okay. Like, so, what's your favorite?
1: Well, right now it's probably pressed juice. Okay. But I haven't really explored the New York vegan Wait, ice cream. Wait, have you scene. been to Van Leeuwen? I haven't been there since I lived here, which was like three and a half years ago.
0: Okay, well, so. <laughs> I think we need to go. Shit, is there one near where we're going for lunch? Because I'm actually not a pressed fan, which is shocking. Okay. And I'm an ice cream fiend. I just, I don't, it just doesn't do it for it's me. It's not your thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I know everyone loves it. Yeah. But, uh, family, mom will change your life. Well, you've had it.
1: Well, I've had it, but it's been a while. So yeah. okay, I don't know. They probably have a lot. We more gotta flavors. look if there's one near our lunch because there's
0: one right here, but we'll okay. figure that out. And then, do you have a third?
1: Uh, what would be a third?
0: You don't have to if you don't have one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think like I don't really crave anything. I really crave mm-hmm. healthy foods because yeah. I think right now, like, my life is like, is this going to nourish me or is this going to make me hundred like percent agree? So anything that nourishes me, I'm so game yeah. for. So I just love like big like salads with a ton of veggies and like a really yummy yeah. yummy dressing or like it sounds so boring but, no like, I that's get it what which really is what me <laughs> up.
0: people sometimes will be like I just don't get how you always eat so healthy I'm like because it makes me feel good
1: exactly like, there's a no a lot of other for foods air.
0: don't make me feel good so why would I eat them I it's very simple
1: there's a lot of judgment around that a
0: lot of judgment which is like a
1: total another topic but
0: so much judgment yeah Yeah. Just
1: got to eat what feels good for you. Yeah.
0: And sometimes that's a burger and fries. And I'm totally down and game with that. It's one of my ways to my heart. Um, But most of the time it's not. Yeah. And so that's fine. When I want it, I have it. When I don't, I have all the veggies. Well, thank you so much for being so open, especially about such a personal topic. I sincerely appreciate it. I'm so proud of what you have accomplished with this program. I think you're going to help so many people. And I really think it's needed. So, You should be really proud of yourself and I hope this resonated with you listeners in some way, whether you're struggling with, if it happens to be a brain injury, then this really touched close to home. But if it was something else, I hope you were able to relate. So thank you, Bethany. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there at Freckled Foodie.